you for joining us again tonight here live. And for those of you who will be watching later on via YouTube, um, the life of prayer is what I've entitled this four series message. Um, this is the second installment of those four messages. And last week we talked about the life of prayer, not just being a lifestyle or an obligation or um, something that we feel like we have to do to check off a list. It's really a life of prayer because lifestyles change with trends sometimes. Um, but a life continues to grow and grow deeper. And that's what we want to do in our prayer life is to grow deeper. Uh, so that's what we're talking about tonight. And I remember uh, reading a book by Mike Breen and Walt Collistad called Living Out the Lord's Prayer. It's called From a Passionate Life. Um, and so I got some of my notes from their book and I wanted to share that with you because it was such a beautiful portrayal of Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. And then it shows in John's uh, gospel, chapter 17, how Jesus prayed the same exact way he taught his disciples to pray. He used all of the same headings. He used all of the same emphasis. And it's like, hey, Jesus really practices what he preaches. And so it wasn't just something for us to do. It was something that he did as well. So I think you'll enjoy seeing the correlation between the two chapters tonight. But our passage that we're looking at tonight is found in John's gospel chapter 17 verses 1 through 5 and then 15 through 17. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Then jumping to verse 15, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We remember this prayer that Jesus prayed, and he was focusing on three things in John's gospel here, chapter 17. He was praying for our security. He was praying for our purity, and he was praying for our unity. Now, that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. And Pastor Stephen has done a magnificent job of preaching that. And you can find that online either on our church website or on YouTube. But tonight, I want to focus on those six characteristics of this prayer found in John 17 that we find in the Lord's Prayer when Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. So let's look at Roman number one in your notes there, review of the Lord's Prayer. Letter A is the Father's character. And it starts with verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Aren't you glad that the Bible sometimes is just cut and dry and you can understand it? I don't need a lexicon. I don't need a, a Greek or Hebrew scholar to tell me what that means right there. This then is how you should pray. This is Jesus talking. And if you're in a red letter edition Bible, these words would be in red. And guess what? I think this might be how we should pray if Jesus said it. It's, there's no mystery to it. He's just saying, this is how you need to pray. 
Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I love that he starts with his father. He doesn't start with his needs. He doesn't start with his wants, his desires. He doesn't start with praying for his family. He doesn't start. He starts with his relationship with God. And what does that do? It reminds the disciples that he's teaching in that moment that everything we do is based on our relationship with God. How we view God will depend on how we respond in what we face in life. How we view God. What is our relationship with God and what does it look like? How do we respond to him? How do we listen to him? How do we put him first or prioritize him every day? And this is talking about the father's character. You'll see their letter A, the father's character. Our father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. We could, we could talk a long time about the holiness of God. There are angels, there are seraphim, there are cherubim, there are elders that constantly fall before the presence of God crying out, holy, holy, holy. And, and I, don't, I can't even imagine what that would be like. I would love to just get a glimpse of that. But can you imagine someone being so holy that when you see them, all you can do is bow and just say that they're holy. And then when you get back up, you experience it again and just go back down and say, holy, holy. There's no other descriptive phrase. There's no other commentary that you can make. You're just overwhelmed by the majesty and glory of a holy God. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was teaching the disciples that we speak of the father's character first. He's holy. That means that everything he does is righteous and just. No matter if we understand it or not, no matter if we like it or not, no matter if we agree with it or not, he alone is holy. And so Jesus models that by saying, hey, when you go to pray, talk about the father's character first. Talk to him about how good he is, how awesome he is, how holy he is. And it's not to put God on a power trip. God doesn't need a power trip. He is all power. He's not us better. He's not man 2.0. He's God. He's other. He's otherworldly. It's not, he's not a better version of us. And so he doesn't need a power trip because he is all power. But when we start to tell him about his character and we start to tell him about his holiness, I believe he opens his heart to us because he knows our hearts in the right place. We're not trying to manipulate him or, or get something out of him. We're just simply saying what is truth. And truth unlocks the door. Amen? <laughs> truth unlocks the door. Let's look at letter B. The Father's kingdom is next. Matthew 6, 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, many of us, if we're not careful, we pray it this way. My kingdom come, my will be done on earth as you will it for me, Jesus, because this is what I need. We tend to do that. Because we, we're not putting God in his rightful place as holy and other than us. And we're, we're kind of treating him like the genie in the bottle or the custodian in the basement to come in and clean up our messes or, or to grant our wishes. And that's not how prayer works. And Jesus is teaching the disciples this. He's saying, you talk to your father based on his character as you see me talking to father. He's holy. He's other. And then we talk about his plans, not our plans. What are, the, what are the plans of God? That his kingdom would come and that his will would be done on earth 
as it is in heaven. It's all about his kingdom coming. It's all about our lives being exposed to the kingdom of God, not the kingdoms of this world, because at the end of the book, it says the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and his Christ. So guess what? The kingdoms here are temporary. It's all focusing on his kingdom. What is his plan? What is his agenda? And I was just thinking about that today and how much I miss Jack Taylor, because if anybody was a kingdom man, a kingdom preacher, a kingdom communicator, it was Jack Taylor. I love what his son said about him in a recent letter to supporters. He said, my dad has forgotten more about the kingdom than I'll ever be able to grab hold of in a lifetime of studying and even being his son and being around him. He said, that's one thing I miss the most is what, what dad learned about the kingdom today. Do you understand that the kingdom is ever increasing? It's ever expanding. It's ever growing. It's taking over in ways that we don't see and understand. And we can learn something new about the kingdom every day. Now, I know a lot of this sounds ethereal and theoretical, but we're going to get to the practical at the end of this. So bear with me. Hang in there. We've got a holy God. He's got a plan. It's called his kingdom. And we want his kingdom to come from heaven to earth. All right, let us see. The Father's provision. This is so simple, but it's not, um, it's understandable because of the state we're in. We are needy people. Is anybody here not a needy person? I didn't think so. Nobody raised their hand. We, we're needy. Uh, I mean, God created us, what? To need him. And I love what it says here. Jesus says, he doesn't just talk about the Father's holiness. He doesn't just talk about the kingdom. He's like, okay, now let's talk about what we're dealing with. There was an upward relationship we're dealing with. And now there's a vertical relation or horizontal relationship we're dealing with. Things here in the present that we need to dis discuss or, or talk about. Give us today our daily bread. Uh, if you understand anything about the time that Jesus was praying this, people lived from a day-to-day -day subsistence. Like, if you didn't work that day to earn money to buy food or you didn't make your own food, you didn't eat. I mean, they didn't have a grocery store and a uh, convenience store and 24-7, everything like we have today. It was a day-to-day -day existence. And so uh, people, the first thing on their mind was probably fire, water, and food. That, that, was, that was every day, okay? It wasn't a, well, it, boy, it'd be nice to sit out by the fire after dinner and make some s'mores. No, we got to get the fire going because we got to get the food started because if we don't do that, we're not going to eat and somebody's going to get the water because we got to have water to cook the food. That was every day. We get in the car and we think of, oh, well, I'll, I'll run by Starbucks or I'll, I'll go to McDonald's or, or what? Gosh, McDonald's, that's terrible. Or, or somewhere else. You know, we've got, we got things figured out but every day for them was a subsistence level. And look at this. God knew this. And so Jesus, understanding our state that we're in and the form that we're in, he said, just ask me, give me my daily bread today. We have a Sam's and Costco mentality, don't we? That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about loading our pantry full. He's talking about feed me today. You can ask the Father for your daily needs. I can ask the Father for our daily needs. Then letter D, the Father's forgiveness found in Matthew 6, 12. 
and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors or forgive uh, our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't forgive, we've heard this from pastor over and over and we're a grace church, but if we don't forgive, things that God wants to do get short-circuited in our lives and they slow to a grinding halt. It's not that he's not working, it's that he won't work until we do it his way. God's stubborn like that. And guess who'll win every time? He will. He will win every time. So I wanna encourage you, figure out forgiveness early on. Don't let that be one of the last hurdles you try to jump or mountains you try to climb. Figure out forgiveness early on. And Jesus is even telling the disciples this in this moment of teaching. He's saying, hey, if you've got any unforgiveness in your heart, you need to give that to me and help me. Let me help you forgive those who have wronged you or trespassed against you. Letter E, the Father's guidance, Matthew 6, 13a. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. I think I did the wrong verse there again. Oh, lead us not. That's Father's protection. Um, let, me, let me pull it up here. I think my notes are wrong. I don't want to tell you the wrong thing. That's why we go by the book, right? Amen. I won't ask who brought their Bible tonight. You probably have it on your phone. It's okay. 613a says, and lead us not into temptation. That's it. The Father's guidance, lead us not into temptation. We know that the Lord's not going to take us anywhere that's going to cause us harm, that's going to bring confusion, that's going to allow us to be disillusioned or lose trust in him. And that's what that's talking about. Lead us not into temptation. God's not tempting us with sin. He's protecting us from going the wrong way. So that's the father's guidance. Just like I try to guide my kids. You know, if we're on a path at night and we've got one flashlight and I'm like, hey guys, stay in the light or follow dad or everybody grab onto dad and I'll stay in the light and you hang on to me. We've got to go by the guidance of the father so we don't fall off the cliff or, or fall into trouble or danger. And then letter F, the father's protection, but deliver us from the evil one. Aren't you so glad? Aren't you so glad that there is deliverance from the evil one? I don't care how far you've gone. I don't care how many bad decisions you've made. I don't care if you think there's no way I can be forgiven. There is a deliverer who says, I will deliver you from the evil one. If you will turn your heart to me completely, wholly, fully, unadulterated, I will get you out of the mess you're in. So many times we don't feel like we're worthy to get out of the mess we're in. And can I just give you a, a, a hint? We're not worthy, but Jesus loves us. Our father loves us. So he makes a way for our deliverance. And when he delivers, his deliverance is sure. And we can count on it. It's his protection. A good father protects his family. He protects his children. If the heavenly father does that, we should model that. And Jesus is saying to these disciples, you need the father's protection. Guess what? You live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. The sword may protect you in an instant or temporarily, but God ultimately will protect you. And that's what he's pointing them to, delivering us from the evil one. Um, 
there was an incident that happened um, on the trip when we went to, um, to Florida, to Orlando, to the Fine Arts Festival. And one of the workers at the hotel came into one of the rooms of our students at an ungodly hour bringing towels without announcing themselves and all. And we found out about it the next morning. And I, I was just like, Lord, this is why we pray every day for angelic intervention over our children and over our family. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm praying that every day for my family to be filled with the Holy Spirit, for there to be angelic intervention, um, for them to have the favor of the Father. Those things that we're praying as a church over our friends and our families. And in that moment, I I didn't have a, a fear, like fear didn't seize my heart because I know I had been praying that over my family. And I knew that my child that was in that room in that situation, even though I could not be there to protect them, I knew the Lord was there to protect them. And I'm so thankful for the protection of the father. Um, so that's, that's just a side note there, but I'm sure many of you have encountered experiences like that where you couldn't be there for your spouse or your child or your loved one, but the Lord was there in your stead and protected them and kept them safe. Now, we've looked at the Lord's Prayer. Now, let's look at the prayers of Jesus. Um, we're going we're gonna to end with the um, prayer found in John 17, but let's look at a couple more of his prayers in the, the gospel. Uh, letter A, Jesus' prayers in Scripture are only brief insights into his relationship with the Father. Number one, and one example is he gives thanks before distributing bread and fish to a large group. This is the feeding uh, of the 5,000 or 3,000, depending on which time it was and which version you're reading out of. It says, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and lo- notice this, and looking up to heaven. So he took the loaves and the fish from the boy that provided it. And what did he do? He didn't go, this is the Jesus Christ show. You ready for this? And he started breaking it and passing it out. No, he took the bread and the fish and then he looked to heaven acknowledging his father. First thing he did, father in heaven, holy is your name. He didn't have to say it. He looked and acknowledged, all right, dad, let's do this. And then he began to break the bread and the fish and distribute it. He gave thanks and broke the loaves and he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. He acknowledged God. We're just seeing little snips, little clips of how Jesus operated in his relationship with the Father. The second example there is he prays to his Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane before his death. We see that in Matthew 26, 39 and 42. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. And we would stop right there. Lord, do I have to do this? And then we'd wait. Lord, please, do, do I have to do this? And then we'd wait. Jesus takes it all the way, all the way. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And then in verse 42, he went away a second time and prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, 
may your will be done. He goes all the way every time. And we see that relationship between him and his father. And he speaks candidly. Why? Because there's intimacy there. Can I encourage you folks tonight in this Christian Life Church family? We can speak candidly with our father when there's intimacy with us and with him. We don't have to put on a religious show. We don't have to say the words just right. We can say, Lord, this is what I'm dealing with. Help me with this challenge. Help me with this situation. Help me with this person. Help me with this decision. And then we say, but Lord, your will be done in all of it. We can tell him our misgivings. We can tell him our, um, you know, I'm not sure if I can do this. We can tell him our weakness. But that, that, that candidness comes from intimacy with him. So if you find yourself praying generic prayers, there may be a lack of intimacy or the intimacy level may be of a lower state. And it may be a good checkup for all of us on how we're talking to the Lord. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Number three, another example, Jesus cries out in agony to God while on the cross. Matthew 27, 46, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is experiencing physical, emotional, mental suffering beyond what any of us could imagine. And yet, what was his prayer? It wasn't Jesus, this hurts. It wasn't God, this hurts, rescue me. No, his heart was broken because he knew at that moment he was cut off from the father because of what had to be done. And that broken heart is what agony he was in. He was experiencing the agony of a heart that was separated from his father because he said, why have you forsaken me? You know, I always wondered that as a kid. Why didn't he say, man, this hurts, God. This hurts. He didn't say that. He said, why, why are you not here right now? And that needs to be an indication to us in our lives. When we're going through something or a difficulty or suffering and we ask him, why are you not here right now? What is, why? Why is he not there? He, he is there. He says he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. It's, it's us. It's me who has left, who has grown cold or, or gone far away. So we see the prayers of Jesus and then we look to letter B. Now, this is where the meat of tonight and what I want to talk about is we see an example of this same prayer that we've just read in Matthew's gospel, in John's gospel. And um, I love the fact, again, I'll say it again, that Jesus walked out what he taught. He taught the disciples, this is how you pray. So let's look at verse three. Now, this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God. That's the Father's character all over again. He is holy and he is the one true God. He is eternal life. He's talking about the Father's character. And then we see the Father's kingdom in John 17, five. Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Meaning, this kingdom thing didn't just get started because I showed up on planet earth. 
This kingdom thing has been going on long before when we were in fellowship, before this, this moment ever happened. I love that. And then we see in John 17, 7, the Father's provision. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. Give us this day our daily bread. What does everything that Jesus has, it came from his Father. Everything that we have, it comes from our Father. And then number four, the Father's forgiveness. We see that in John 17, 4. I have brought to you glory on earth by completing the work, which is mankind's salvation, you gave me to do. That whole salvation and forgiveness issue has been finished when Jesus died on the cross. And he said, I'm done. It's finished. The payment has been made in full. So we see the Father's forgiveness there. And then we see the Father's guidance in John 17, 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. If anything should guide our life, it should be the word of God. If anything should be poured into our life and processed in our thoughts, our emotions, our intellect, it should be the word of God because it's his heart to us. It's his guidance for us. And Jesus is saying there, sanctify your church by the truth. Your word is truth. And then number six, the father's protection. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. So this same prayer template, this same model of prayer that he taught the disciples how to pray, he is praying it himself here in John's gospel chapter 17. So in light of that, we need to look at not only the Lord's prayer and we don't only need to look at the prayers of Jesus, but now we need to look at our prayers. What happens when we pray? Um, sticking points. I, I love what this says here. Pray through this model prayer with your request in mind and see where it sticks. Meaning, um, I begin to pray the Lord's prayer. Holy are you, God. I love you. Your ways are so much higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. You're king of kings and Lord of lords. You are the creator of all things known to man. You created me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You are awesome in your design. You're awesome in your beauty. You're awesome in your majesty. There is no one as powerful as you. You just begin to pray these parts of the Lord's prayer and you find where you stick. And can I just say that you'll stick somewhere different every day because the Lord will have some emphasis in your life or what you're going through or what you're reading in scripture. He'll have you stick to that. And I would encourage you wherever it sticks, hang out there because God's wanting to say something to you. He's wanting to teach you something and he's wanting you to engage with him on that level. So pray and find those sticking points. A lot of time we hear the word sticking points and we think of something negative. This is a good thing. Pray the Lord's prayer and find out where you land and then hang out there for a while. Um, I know pastor says he uses this model every day when he prays. He prays through the Lord's prayer and he doesn't just pray the 30 second prayer like we did tonight. He prays each part of it and asks the Lord to help him unpack or unfold that in his life and what that looks like. And that's the bottom line of what I'm getting at tonight. You can pray for yourself. Father, I know you're my caring, loving, 
Heavenly Father, you rule over all and will watch over me today from your throne in heaven. Let your glory be seen in all I do today. I want your rule and will to be done in all of my thoughts and actions today. Please provide for all of my needs today, spiritually, physically, and financially. So you, you pray for yourself and you pray through those six things, the Father's character, the Father's kingdom, the Father's provision, the Father's forgiveness, the Father's guidance, and the Father's protection. You can also pray for others. So why would we pray for ourselves? Because it's kind of like the oxygen mask that comes out of the ceiling in the airplane when you hit turbulence. What do they say? Put the mask on you first. And then if someone else needs assistance, put it on their face. Why? Because if you don't have it on your face, you're not going to be any good to anybody else. So it's okay to pray for yourself. I know a lot of believers have trouble with that. that all they will do is pray for others. Um, one of the things that I've run into when I visit people in the hospital before COVID, I'd go from room to room and I'd say, what can I pray with you about? There'd be a patient there lying in the bed, dying with stage four cancer. And they want me to pray for someone in their community or someone in their family. And, and I, I tried to help them understand the Lord cares for you too. It's not just about everybody else. It is about everybody else, but it's also about you. So I want to encourage you to pray for yourself and then pray for others. And there's an example prayer there for you. Father, your reign in heaven extends down to our residence here on earth. Let your glory be seen in the life of my friend or my spouse or my father or my children. In your kingdom, there is no sickness and no pain. Let your kingdom come in my friend's life and body today. Providing our daily bread and our daily provisions includes having a healthy body so we can do all of your will. So please give my friend a healthy body today or please give my friend employment today or Lord, please give my friend wisdom and dealing with uh, their medical issues. There, there's so many ways you can pray this. Forgive my friend as he forgives others knowing that unforgiveness in our spirits can cause our bodies to react as well. Let him not be tempted to turn from you, his healer, in this time of need and protect him from the principalities and powers that want to cause him harm. As we continue practicing the prayer, it becomes much easier to invite the Holy Spirit to prompt you to stick on one area at a time. So the best way that this works is to Every day when you spend time with the Lord, um, you spend time in his word, you spend time in worship and you spend time praying, you use this model prayer. And I know some of you have prayed more and will know more about prayer than I, I've learned yet in my 40 something years here on this earth. But this is something we can all go back to and use because how many of you, well, you don't need to raise your hand. I'll raise my hand for all of us, okay? How many of you feel sometimes you get stuck in a rut in your praying? You end up praying the same things every day and you, you pray and you think of everything you can pray for and two minutes has gone by and you're like, that's all I got? This is a way that you can break out of that rut that you might feel like you're in in your prayer life and expand it because you could pray a minute to two minutes, to five minutes, to 10 minutes on each of these. If you prayed 10 minutes on each of these points of the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray, that's an hour of prayer. 
And it doesn't take long to fill up 10 minutes of prayer when you have a tracks to run on, when you have a plan to go by. So take one phrase per day and continue to dig it out as you pray for yourself and for others. Each of these six dynamics is really bottomless. They're endless. There's no end to them. Because the more you read the word and understand the word of God, the more you can pray scripture over these areas of provision and character and protection um, as we've talked about tonight. And each phrase is fully developed by the others. So they all work together cohesively. So they connect. Even if you pray three of them, they'll still work together. If you pray four of them, they'll still work together in your prayer time and you'll grow as you pray them. Now, I, pr I prayed about saying this tonight, but I, I feel like it is so strong in my spirit and the Lord just, he just, you know how sometimes the Lord will say something to you and you're like, was that the Lord? I mean, it came out of nowhere and it wasn't anything evil and it wasn't anything uh, that would be dangerous or, or harmful to anyone that hears it. And so I, I believed it was from the Lord. I discerned it was from him. But let me encourage you tonight. Many of us in the body of Christ want to skip the hard steps. We want to skip the hard steps. We want the fastest, easiest, quickest way to get the answer that we want, especially in the realm of prayer. We want to skip the hard steps and we want to stick the, we want to skip the digging out of the scripture. We want to skip the cost of discipleship. Um, we want the greater things that Jesus promised, but we don't take the time to build the character necessary to handle the greater things when the Lord gives them to us. And the way we build the character in our lives necessary to ask God for the greater things comes from spending time every day in his word, every day in prayer every day worshiping him, every day submitting our lives to him. That is the hard part, the digging out, the cost of discipleship is the daily dying. Jesus did not say only come and dine. Many of us signed up because we thought he said come and dine because man, we want a feast. We're ready to eat. I can out eat the best of you in here. But we, what we didn't understand is he was saying, come and die. He was saying to his church, he was saying to his disciples, he was saying to the people who followed him, yes, you can come and dine, but it doesn't just stop with dining. You've got to also come and die. You've got to take up your cross and lay down your life and follow me. That is the hard part of discipleship. That's the digging it out part. That's the part we want to skip and we want a short circuit or, or a shortcut for, but there is no shortcut for it. I'm here to tell you, you will be um, hugely disappointed if your Christian life, you're looking for shortcuts because Jesus took the long route every time because he wanted us to see the importance of what he was doing and why he was doing it. That's why he taught his disciples to pray this way. And that's why I wanted to mention it to you tonight in this teaching. Please, please hear me. Don't just come into the kingdom to dine. Be willing to come and die.
because that is where true life is found. That is where true freedom and hope and deliverance and joy is found in laying your life down. And I want all of us to experience that on some level so that we can rejoice with the angels and the seraphim and the cherubim and the elders as we cast our crowns down at his feet and say, holy, 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 come and die. So how do we personalize this tonight? Ask yourself, to what extent have I chosen to act like God in this area of forgiveness, the Father's guidance, his protection, his kingdom coming full force in my life? Ask yourself, how do I act like God? How has the character of God been formed in me as I've yielded myself? to praying the way he taught his disciples to pray. And then number two, find your own reminder to pray the Lord's prayer throughout the day. Um, ask Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm telling you, he's the best reminder on planet. You can have iCloud and you can have Outlook and you can have reminders and set alarms and all that. But I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will remind you a lot better than any of those things can. Because I'll be driving or walking or talking and the Holy Spirit will say, you need to pray for your family. Pray this right now. And sure enough, 15 minutes later, my alarm will go off. Oh, I just pray for your family for angelic protection. Oh, I've already done that. Holy Spirit's already reminded me. It's already become a part of my day and my relationship with him. So find methods that you can use. It's okay to use those things, but Holy Spirit's the best one. I'm just saving you some time, okay? Um, we need to pray up. To our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, our, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it, in as it is in heaven. We need to pray inwardly, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then we need to pray outwardly, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And that's where I want to end tonight. Next week, I feel like the Lord's leading me to do something a little bit different, so I may have an addendum. To your notes. Um, it just depends on if I'm, he, he's leading me to do the apostolic prayers next week or the week after. But I, I, I really want to deal with the issue of uh, the power of crying out in prayer to the Lord, crying aloud to God. So that's just been heavy on my heart. And um, I hope you'll join me next week to find out which one we do. Okay. Um, can I pray for you before we go? Father, thank you for this church family who. Um, are so faithful to be here on Wednesday nights and to listen and to learn and to study and to apply the principles that are taught from this platform. Lord, I don't take this lightly. I'm not a great theologian or a scholar. Lord, I just want to be your vessel and your servant and give practical tools to your people so that they can grow in their relationship with you. Father, thank you for the successes that I've found in certain areas of my walk with you. And Lord, I just want to share those with others. And Lord, thank you that you make up so make up for all the shortcomings that I have in my relationship with you. You're still teaching me. We're all growing together as a family. And Lord, if there's anyone here tonight that does not know you, does not know that they are forgiven, that your blood cleanses their sins and you cleanse them from all unrighteousness. They do not know that they're loved by a heavenly father. They do not know that heaven is their home and can be for eternity with you. 
Lord, I pray that you'd give them courage to come and speak to me afterwards or talk to the friend they came with or find somebody that looks like they have a relationship with you and ask questions. Because Lord, I don't want them to leave here tonight wondering if there's purpose and plan for their life. There is, and it's through Jesus. Lord, we thank you for teaching us to pray. Thank you for teaching your disciples how to pray. Lord, thank you for giving us a model and a template to follow so that we have tracks to run on. And Lord, I pray that those who will apply this even this week, Lord, maybe tonight before they go to bed or tomorrow morning when they wake up and you remind them of the Lord's prayer, I just ask that Lord, it would be the beginning of a huge journey of experiencing you, knowing you, growing close in intimacy with you and hearing your voice with clarity and understanding what it means. Father, that comes from a life surrendered to you, a life of prayer, and that's what we desire. Thank you for these times over these four weeks where we can talk about the life of prayer. And Lord, we ask that we grow as you help us in Jesus' name.